Good news. It's the good news. You got to keep hearing it. I got to keep hearing it too. But, and so, Galatians chapter 6. And so then it's like, well, if it's all by grace, does that mean that there is no concept of seed time and harvest for me any longer? And the reality is, is that seed time and harvest functions the same time that grace functions, right? But in your relationship with God, God is not imputing your sin to you, God is not holding sin against you, and God is not going to punish you for sin. Because Jesus already took all of that for you. Period. In fact, you're no longer under law, you're under grace. So sin's not imputed to you. It's in the book, man. I know it's the greatest news in the world. And I had to just pause and let that sit for a minute before I step into balancing that statement. Because it needs to have a moment of reality to you. Your sins and lawless deeds, God remembers no more. Now, but if you do dumb stuff, you will get dumb results. And if you sin, God's not going to punish you for sin. You know who's going to punish you for sin? Sin is. Sin will kill you. It'll destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your finances. It'll destroy your life. It'll destroy your ministry. It'll, destroy, it'll rob you of peace. It'll kill you, and you die before your time. You're not guaranteed to fulfill the call of God on your life. I know the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, but ladies and gentlemen, if you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. And it's not God's fault. Bam. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now once again, how I many know this is not talking about going to heaven. This is not talking about being born again. Everybody say, that's by grace. Now we're starting to talk about your horizontal relationships. And, and, and beyond that, what you put into yourself. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life after everlasting. So now, seed time and harvest starts to come into effect in terms, how I many know what you put in you will bring forth the harvest? As a born-again child of God, and the example that I used last week, <clears throat> I mean, if I watch pornography for six days straight, eight hours a day, how many know on that seventh day that my marriage is going to be impacted? How many know that my attitude towards women is going to be impacted? And how many know that I, how many know the enemy is going to have a lot of ammo to condemn me with? So if I sow to the flesh, there's going to be an element of corruption that's reaped. Now, how many know I'm still right with God? I'm still a child of God. God still loves me. Gifts and callings are that repentance. It doesn't change, and it doesn't even change the way God sees me. God still sees me as His child. But He sees me as a child that's in trouble and needs help. Or let's say I take a week and I just fight with everybody and I'm mean to everybody and I'm rude to everybody. How I many know if, I, if that's the case? How I many know if I'm sowing anger and I'm sowing to the flesh, how many know that's going to have impact on my relationships? God has unconditionally forgiven you. Everybody else has not. And if you act like an idiot, you're going to get an idiot's reward. I mean, it's just facts, right? 
You know, if I, if, I, if I leave this place and I pull out and I go into the parking lot and I decide I'm going to go 90 miles an hour down that road, I mean, oh, Jesus loves me. I mean, I'm forgiven, but I'm probably going to get a ticket. And I'm probably going to pay a fine. And I'm probably going to be embarrassed. I mean, oh, there's still a harvest to reap when we sow to the flesh. And it can be different for different people. I mean, if you spend, if you, spend you know, seven days a week, eight hours a day listening to sad music, don't be surprised if you're sad. If you listen to anger, seven days a week, listen to angry music. Don't be surprised if you're angry. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And also, what you're sowing into your heart is what you're going to experience in your life. You know, one of the things I have to be careful of, I can't read too much news. You know, I read a little bit of news, but I can't read too much news. Because if I read too much news, I'd be wigged out. And I'd be mad. <laughs> and, and I probably ain't even hearing the truth anyway because ain't nobody telling the truth out there so I'm better off sitting, sitting the news down and picking my Bible up and hearing what God's got to say and, and when I do and, 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 I, I'm, and I, when I read my Bible on the regular and I sow to myself in the spirit I reap peace joy I'm happier. I'm a better person. Now, how I many you know I'm a son of God when I'm reading the news and when I'm reading my Bible? I don't read my Bible to prove I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God because I got born again, and that ain't going to change. But if I, am put, if I am sowing death into myself, I shouldn't be surprised if I reap it. Right? So, bam. So, seed time and harvest is still here, and grace is still here. They can coexist. It's not a paradox, right? There, there's no place where God promised you through grace that you wouldn't have consequences for your actions. I mean, that's, that's not a, an accurate gospel. No, what he said was, is I'll pick up the tab on your sin, and I'll never hold your sin against you. And my arms will always be open to you. And I will always be your dad and you'll always be my kid. But when you do, when you, when you do dumb stuff, you're still going to get dumb results. Now, how many of you know, he'll rescue you. And, and, you don't, and there's no limit in how many times he'll rescue you. Just don't die in the process. Because <laughs> once you, I'm not trying to, but once your earth suit's gone, you're gone, man. You're in eternity. You know what I'm saying? But he will rescue you over and over again, and he's so awesome that he'll even help you with the consequences. Praise God. What's that? Mercy? Okay, sorry. I thought you were, I don't know. Anyway, no, no, it's cool, it's cool. And so he goes on, and, and, and so anyway, so he's talking about that, and he goes on and says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are the household of faith. And then Romans chapter 8 in verse 5, I'm going to read through these quickly so we can get into where we're going today. Uh, for it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. For those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so, how I many you know, there are many things you can't control. But one of the things that you can control is this. You can choose what you focus on. And if you'll focus on God and the things of the Spirit... There's life and peace that comes out of it. But if you focus just on carnal things, 
There's not life and peace that's going to come out. And how many of you know, there are things that they're not evil, but they're not productive either. Right? And so, like, I'm careful. You want to be careful what you put in your heart. You'll be careful the music you're listening to. You'll be careful what goes into your eyes, your ears. You'll be careful the people you hang out with. Because there's a, the spirit of this world is death. Right? Now listen, I'm not encouraging you to be a monk. I'm not encouraging you to, to just, you know, I'm not, I'm not encouraging you that. You know, I, I like to watch a movie. I like the entertainment. Every single song I listen to is not necessarily a Christian song. Um, I, I, I read the news. I watch sports. I live on earth. So I'm not up here trying to tell you to be a monk. But what I am telling you is be aware of what you're putting down on the inside of you. Right? Like, like as we all know, I like cookies. Praise God. I like cake. I like ice cream. I like, and I'm drooling just talking about it. Praise God. And here's the thing. I'm not going to stop eating cookies and ice cream and cake. I'm still going to eat it. But I'm also going to eat apples, and I'm going to drink protein shakes, and I'm going to eat my vegetables, and I'm going to work out, and I'm going to bring some level of balance to the things that I'm partaking of that don't actually bring life to me physically. It's the same in, in the Spirit, and it's different for everybody, and there are also different seasons. When I first got saved, I needed to be wall-to-wall Word of God, wall-to-wall church in order to get out of the hell that I'd created in my mind. Now, 23 years later, I'm now at a place where I've got more freedom and more liberty. Everybody understand what I'm saying? And that's why the Holy Spirit is your teacher. And never, never let a pastor or a preacher or a minister set in your life the boundaries that only God should be able to give you. Because your boundaries may look different than my boundaries, and what I do may look, look different than what you do. And how many know that's okay? And, and that's why we all can't be carbon copies, and we've got to walk different, and we've got to live different. We can still serve God. Could I get an amen? And, and so, anyway. And so, and then Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, If then you were raised to Christ, seek those things which are above, or Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So we want to we be aware of what we focus on. Now, um, and then our actions are also seeds, like what we do. Luke chapter 6 and verse 37 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now, this is not talking about your relationship with God. It's very important to understand here. Because if this were talking about your relationship with God, then you would be the author of your own salvation. God doesn't say, act right and I'll save you. No, God says, I save you because I want to save you. But what this is talking about is the way you treat other people. And people use this scripture to preach money. This is not a money scripture. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. There's nothing in here that's talking about money. It's saying that for, for how many of you know, if you're running around being a judgmental and condemning person, how many of you know people are going to be judgmental and condemning towards you? How many of you know if you're running around and you're forgiving people and being merciful to people, how many of you know you're going to reap that from people? So what, what it's saying here is you're good. there's an element 
of harvest based in your actions. Now, periodically, you're going to have people that do dumb stuff to you and you didn't do dumb stuff to them, and that's them. And that's why we don't overcome evil with evil. We're not those people. See, if I try to overcome evil with evil, then I'm sowing a harvest I don't want to reap. No, when people are bad to you, you be good to them. You be good to them, number one, because your Father in Heaven is good to you. And number two, because you realize they're, they're only doing it because they're hurting or the enemy might be using them. But number three, you don't want to reap that harvest. And if you look at, at you know, the royal law of liberty, in James chapter 2 it says you love your neighbor as yourself. How I many you know the love walk actually sows the best seed? If I treat everybody the way I want to be treated, then I'm reaping a harvest I like. Do you all see that? So seed time and harvest is an issue. That's one thing we talk about a lot in my family. I, love, I want everyone to respect each other. I, I, everyone. Parents respect the kids. Kids respect the parents. Kids respect each other. Because when everyone is respected, everyone feels valued and their voice is heard and it creates an atmosphere of peace. That's the way we operate the camp. So many people want to disrespect young people just because they're young or just because they play video games, or just because they listen to music they don't listen to. You can't disrespect somebody and reach their heart at the same time. I'm very passionate about that. And so, like, in, in, in my home, I want us all respecting each other. And, and do we always do it? No, we make mistakes, but we always try to right the ship back. And so, when, when God is saying... And the royal law, the golden rule, treat other people the way you want to be treated. What God's saying is, hey, sow the best seed for your life. Everybody tracking that? All right, now, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And now we're going to talk. Now we're going to step into what we're talking about today. And, and those of you that have been abused <laughs> financially in the church, I speak peace over you. Because I'm about to talk about finances as seed. And so, I'm not, I'm not about to take up an offering. I'm not trying to take nobody's money. In this church, financially, we're doing great. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? And uh, we don't harp on finances. We don't harp on money. We're not trying to do that. The Bible says if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. And so that's kind of the way we try to do things. But in the same breath, if it's in the book then I want it. Can I get an amen for truth? And so here's a time when God is talking about New Testament finances. Okay? I mean, Old Testament's different than New Testament. And I'll just, I'll just say this real quick. Your money can't take the curse for you. People preach all the time, well, you, if, unless you give 10%, you're cursed. That's a lie. That's Old Testament. Okay? Um, the Bible says that He became a curse to redeem you from the curse. God does not require your money to keep from beating you up. God is not a bully. God's better than that. Can I get an amen? amen. And, for, and for some of y'all, this might be news. People are like, whoa. Just, just study it. Yes, I know Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. I preached it for 14 years. But then when I found out, wait a minute, Jesus is the one that takes the curse, not my money then it changed everything. And so now, I don't give to try to keep God from beating me up. 
I give because I want to. And now, you know what? I enjoy it, and people around me enjoy it, and everything's so much better. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. May the pastors get delivered who preach that. You can't prove it in New Testament. All right, let's look what the New Testament's got to say about giving and, and seed in regards to money. Now, Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, and he's talking to them about an offering. He's talking to them about finances. He says, now concerning the ministering to the saints, talking about an offering, it's superfluous or important for me to write to you, for I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. So, Corinthian church hyped about giving, and Paul's like, man, these guys are helping us out. They're helping the ministry move forward. They're giving, and we're grateful for them. So much so that he bragged about them to the people that were in Macedonia and Achaia a year ago. He says, Yet I have sent the brethren, he sent people ahead of him, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. So he's like, you guys made this financial commitment. You guys said you were going to support our ministry. And so we're going to bring some people from, Mas- we might bring some people from Macedonia with us. And we don't want to show up and, y'all, and it looked like we were lying. I mean, it's like, what are you saying? And so, and so then he goes on to say, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift. This is talking about finances beforehand which you had previously promised that it might be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who, what? Sows. Just sows. So we are talking about planted financial seed. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap also bountifully. So when it establishes, we're talking about money, and we're talking about seed time and harvest, Right? Man, when I, and, and now we'll go back through and we'll work through it. I, I don't even want to go there, Logan. I'm trying not to go there. So don't, don't goad me. Don't laugh. Don't, you know, I'm just kidding. You do whatever you want. But anyway, praise God. We had these things taught wrong. Praise the Lord. Maybe some of y'all did too. But anyway, all right, let's go back and let's work through it. It says, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time to prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised. So he's talking about a financial commitment to the ministry. And then there's two things that the, 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 the people that are going ahead are about to do. They're preparing two things. The offering being sowed itself. So we're going to go back to this amount of money that was promised. But also, they don't just want to talk about the, the offering itself. And this is actually the more important thing when it comes to financial sowing. It's the condition of the heart. Most of this passage is talking about the heart that you give, not the amount. In fact, nowhere in this passage is it talking about an amount. This is really important. Can't nobody tell you what to give but God. And if somebody want to try to force you or pressure you or all of these things, I don't see it in the New Testament. God will tell you what to give. What you give is a very personal thing. See, God is a giver. And He likes to create or father sons and daughters that are givers. How many of you know love is a giving thing? And so, but, but 
It's the issue is the heart, right? So two things are being prepared: what's being sowed and the heart that it was sowed in. So then it goes on to say that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. Generosity and not as a grudging obligation. How many of y'all have spent years giving in church out of a grudging obligation? That is the wrong way to do it. Why is it a grudging obligation? Because you feel like you're paying off God so He don't kill you. That is compulsion. That is extortion. That's not the right heart. Giving should be, I want to. Here's the thing. If you don't want to give it, then it's not really a gift. It's only a gift when you want to give it. And if somebody's trying to make you give it and force you to give it, they're, they're, they're like raping your heart. They're raping your motives. And I hate to use such a strong word, but daggone, it's been like that in the church of Jesus Christ. Preachers, all they want to talk about is money. Money, 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 money. A building fund, this fund, that fund, giving, 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 giving. That's all they talk about is money. Dude, we got a whole lot more to talk about than just money. That's not the true riches. What happened earlier in this service was the true riches. What happened at the camp was the true riches. Money is the, is the lowest form of power. It's, the, it's down here. But at the same time, it's difficult to be faithful over the true riches when you're not faithful over the least riches. And, and what, what does faithful look like? Just doing what God tells you to do. That's it. Just doing what God tells you to do. And so he says, but this I say, maybe ready as a matter of generosity, not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Now, how many of y'all have ever heard that talk? When you give a bunch, you're going to get a bunch. That's not what this is saying. This is talking about the condition of the heart. Sparingly is not an amount. It's the way that it's done. That word sparingly is phytominos, Strong's number 5340 if you're taking notes, and it means stingily. If I sow in a stingy fashion, under compulsion, being made to, then that's how I'm going to reap, in a stingy fashion. But if I sow bountifully, and that word for bountiful is, means blessing. If I, if I bless somebody so that blessing can come to them, then blessing is going to come to me in a generous and an extravagant way. See, how many you know you can, you can do the bare minimum and just, ugh. And that's what's coming back to you. The bare minimum is coming, ugh. And when I mean bare minimum, I'm not talking about an amount. See, when I bless, you know who's a great giver? Dan Bell. Dan Bell's a great giver. Dan is, he has a gift of giving. And Dan will buy you something that God and you knew that you wanted. It's, a, it's an amazing gift. And he doesn't make a show about it. He don't sound a trumpet over it. He will quietly bless you. I said bless you. See, this, this and he loves to do it. And see, when you get a hold of this, 
and you start doing it out of a place of generosity, then giving is really fun because you are blessing somebody. You're hooking somebody up. You are blessing somebody. See, I don't want to just, I, I, when I give something to somebody, I want them to be like, thank you, Jesus. I want it to cause thanksgiving to abound. Because, and I want to see them smile. And I want to see them be blessed. And I want to see them hooked up. And I want to see that, that praise comes to God. How I many you know you can live generously or you can live in a stingy fashion? And do you understand, once again, this is not an amount. This is a way of life. This is a heart issue. Amen? And so, um, oh, it's, and, and, and see, I'm on the other side of this thing. Man, we used to give grudgingly. Golly, we were forced to give. We were compelled to give. We were extorted from. We were robbed. And it sucked. And, and it made me despise the Lord's offering. And for years, I wouldn't hear anybody talk about offering. Someone talking about offering, I'm turning you off. Oh, we're about to take up a, oh, click. We're about to take up a, huh, click. And here's the thing. I never despised the Lord, but I was wore out with his ministers, man. I'm like, can you please just shut up about money and talk to me about Jesus? Now listen, I'm not trying to speak disparagingly towards a period of time that God used to balance an incorrect understanding in the body of Christ. We needed to find out that God wanted us blessed. Because the enemy had told people for years that, that being broke was godly. And poverty was godly. And that's not in the book. No, no, no. You need to know, listen, God wants you to have more than enough. Because He doesn't want to just take care of your needs. God's never looking to just take care of your needs. He wants you to have more than enough so that He can get blessing to you and through you and you can be a blessing to somebody else. One of the things I try to teach my kids a lot is I try to teach my kids is to be generous. I'm always sending things up where they can give. And that they can, you know, whether it's a toy or whether it's a, uh, just a piece of candy or whatever, I want them to learn how to be generous. I don't want to raise a stingy, money-centered home. I want to raise kids who are ready to give and ready to be a blessing. Why? Because when they give, it feels good to them. See, giving, the person that's the most blessed giving is the person that's giving, not the person that's receiving. Mm. It's the truth. The Bible says more blessed to give than to receive. When you become a giver, you are happy. When you are afraid and stingy, you're not happy. Because you don't trust God and you're focused on yourself. And you will live stingy and you will not have enough. And God doesn't want that for you. See, it's not a money issue, it's a heart issue. It's not a money issue, it's a heart issue. It's not a money issue, it's a heart issue. And so, I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified. It says, remember... Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will reap sparingly and grudgingly. He who sows generously will, the blessings may come to someone else, will reap generously with blessings. Remember this, he who sows sparingly, this is uh, Weiss translation. Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will reap sparingly and grudgingly. He who sows generously, the blessings will come to someone else, will reap blessings themselves. And then uh, the passion says, a stingy soul will, anyway, I'm not even going to go into this. Now, let's continue to work down. 
It says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Each one give as he purposes. How many know what you give is between you and God? (laughs) It's between you and God. Now, God will lay something on your heart to give. God will show you what's your seed, and God will show you what's your bread. If you let him. Because there's some that's supposed to be seed, and there's some that's supposed to be bread. And if you eat your seed, it's not wise. Praise God. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. Now, once again, let's take a look at the heart issue, not grudgingly. That word grudgingly in in the Greek is the word lupe, and it means pain of body or mind, grief, sorrow, distress, vexation, heavy-hearted sorrow that brings a person down. So if you are in pain when you're giving, then you're doing it wrong. How many know it's not the amount? Can I get an amen? How many know it's the heart? God doesn't want you painfully giving. God wants you hilariously giving and joyously giving. It says not grudgingly or of necessity. That word necessity is the word anaki, and it means constraint compulsion, force, violence, compelling need, requiring immediate action in a pressing situation. Ladies and gentlemen, I spent the first part of my Christianity giving out of this right here. I was pressured into it. I was forced into it. I was made to give. This is, that is unbiblical. I mean, we would have services where you've got to give in this offering. If you give in this offering, there's a hundredfold on this offering. You might have heard that one before. Hundredfold seed tonight. You got to give today. You got to give right now. You got to give tonight. Right now, you got to give. Hundredfold. That's not in the book. There's no time where Paul said, All right, we got a hundredfold offering today. Sell your car, sell your house so mine can be bigger. You're right, sir. He's right. We went to the same church, praise God. But I, I, I say all that to say that if it's under compulsion, that's the exact opposite of what God's trying to do. And, and I tell you, the, to me, the most beautiful picture of this, and it takes time to, to get free if you've been in that type of place. To me, the most beautiful picture of this is when in the children of Israel we had Levi, and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And Levi was in a position of authority, but his heart was not right before God. And his sons were priests, but they didn't come there to serve God. They came there to take from the people. And Hophni and Phinehas would force people to give. He would make them give more than they were supposed to give. And then he was also, they were also immoral. They were having sex with the people that were coming to the temple. Bad place. And the Bible says that, the, the, that God's people despise the offering. How I many know we've come out of a time like that? I'm talking about people abusing the Lord's offering and people, and, and people in leadership being immoral and taking advantage of their position and where they're at. But then we have Samuel come 
Samuel does the right thing. Samuel anoints Saul. Saul does the right thing for a while. He goes right back to that same thing as Levi did. But then we have David come. Then we have David have a right heart before the Lord. And so then, maybe two generations later, when it's time to build the temple, the people, the Bible says that the people gave willingly. And how many know when they built Solomon's temple, that Solomon's temple was decked out? And people weren't giving grudgingly and of necessity. They were giving willingly. And how many know the entire nation of Israel was very blessed under David? What happened? They, 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 they came out of a time of corruption, but eventually their hearts were changed. How many know leadership plays a huge role in what goes on? But eventually the Bible says they came, they came out and they gave willingly. Beautiful. Then it goes on to say God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. Now that word cheerful is the word hilarious. And it says describing someone who is cheerfully ready to act because already approving, already persuaded. One over, already inclined. Where it describes a, a spontaneously non-reluctant giving. See, God wants to bring your heart into a place to where you're ready to be a blessing all the time. And listen to me, I'm not just talking about giving in church, okay? I'm talking about giving everywhere. I'm talking about everywhere. There's always opportunities. There are always opportunities. If you're at the pool and you have snacks, and there's a kid that don't have snacks, hook the kid up that don't have snacks. I mean, like, I'm for real. Like, every little... If you live on the give, and you're looking around, who can I bless? Who can I help? Who can I... Who can I, you know, let me, let, me, let me get the door for somebody. Let me get something off the shelf for somebody. Let me help you do this. Let me help you do that. When you living in this place of just ready to be a blessing, how I many you know God is probably more likely to try to get provision to somebody like that than someone who's stingy? Why? Because he knows that this person is not just going to eat and consume everything that comes. But this person is going to, it's going to come to them and it's going to go through them. How I many you know a person like that is someone who money doesn't own them and money doesn't rule them? See, God doesn't want money to be your master. But when you're stingy, how I many you can be stingy with a lot and stingy with a little? But either way, when you're stingy, how I many you know your eyes are on money? And God doesn't want that for any of us. And then it says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency and all good things may have an abundance for every good work. May have an... So what does that mean? God wants to turn you individually as a supply station to bless many people. Everybody tracking me here. God wants you to be a blessing. And listen, He's not trying to take from you. He, he, just, he wants to teach you how to be like Him. Amen? It says, as it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he supply seed to the sower and bread for food. Seed to the sower. Seed to the sower. Seed to the sower. Who gets the seed? The sower. Who don't get the seed? The one that eats the seed. If I were passing out cookies... And I was going to pass them through somebody. I was going to give them to Jonathan. So, all right, here, Jonathan, here's cookies. We, you know, pass them back. He's passing them back and passing them back. 
And then I'm, you know, going to, but if I'm, and I'll use Ethan as an example, but if, if I'm passing him to Ethan and he's just eating all the cookies. <laughs> Every cookie, I, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm about to crack on myself. Just give me a second, all right? Just give me a second. I'm trying to preach for just a little bit here, amen? And he, he's not like that. But, like, if, I w- if he was just eating them all, how I many know if I'm going to try to get cookies to everybody, I'm probably going to stop giving cookies to him and start giving them to someone I can get it through. Are you all tracking me here? And see, God in heaven, like, he wants to bless people, and he wants to find people that he can use to bless people. And here's the thing. When somebody's stingy, they're scared. And fear is dominating their heart. And you could be like, well, Jeremiah, you don't understand the math. Let's look at the math. Here's the math. Look, God, God will blow math out of the water. I've seen it happen more times than I can count. Just like we were talking about during, how I many you know there was a young boy who took his lunch and sowed it into the disciples, and 5,000 people were fed. I guarantee you he wasn't the only one that had a lunch that day. But he was the one that was willing to share it. He was one that had a right heart, and as a result of that, 5,000 people were saved, and there were 12 basketfuls left over. I dare say that young man probably went home with leftovers. But I promise, he, I'm certain he wasn't the only person that brought a lunch. So do you see how God will blow math out of the water? But if you factor God out of your finances and all you're looking at is pros and cons in math and all you're looking at is what you have and you're stingily consuming everything, it's tough for God to get this part of the kingdom through you. And you may be functioning in other aspects of the kingdom. You may be functioning in other giftings. You may, be, you may have some other things that are really happening strong through you but this area right here is a place where you've like, nah, God, it's just me and my paycheck and my bills. And you can live your whole life like that, and that is okay. And it'll never change the way God feels about you. It'll never, it, you'll go to heaven. God still loves you, but you missed out. But you missed out on some stuff. Just like all the vegetables we got back there, right, on, back there on the kitchen table back there. How I many you know those vegetables are the result of someone who made a decision to sow seed in that garden? It's the same way for finances, man. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So the cool thing about giving is it causes thanksgiving to abound to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, it not only takes care of people, but it also but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. So how many know God don't get the money? How many know God don't need no money? How many know God's walking on gold? He's like, this is how we feel about money up here. We walk on it, you know. He's like, we are not sweating money at all. But you know what God does get? The thanksgiving that abounds to Him when you obey God. And He's like, ah, that smells great. That's a, that's, a, that's a beautiful aroma to me. Oh, my children are generous. I love it. They're not scared. They know that I'm going to take care of them. Amen. It says, while through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ, for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God, thanks be to God for His undescribable gift. Amen. So, finances 
are a seed. Now, one final place and we close. Um, the kingdom itself is a seed. See, I'm standing here today because a teacher in high school sowed a seed in this little atheist boy's heart. I had a Latin teacher in high school who took me under his wing and preached the gospel to me. I was mean to him. I fought him tooth and nail, but he was kind to me. He actually taught me how to drive. He let me, I took my driver's test in his car. He took me to my first concert. He gave me the book Mere Christianity because I was, very, I was an intellectual back then, believe it or not. And uh, I, I needed things that, to happen logically. And so he gave me the book Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And I read the book and I was like, well, okay, this does make sense logically. Because they couldn't, because I couldn't, it was apologetics. I mean, I couldn't, I was just like, this stuff is dumb, man. And uh, then he, he gave me that book and I was like, okay, all right, I see how this makes sense. And he sowed that seed. Now listen, I never got born again around him. I, but that seed was down here, and when I was at the end of myself and at the end of my life, and I was on drugs and I was miserable, my life was awful, that tiny little seed down there said, hey, give Jesus a shot. And I'm like, man, I tried everything else, so I'm going to give Jesus a shot. And how many of you know, 23 years later, <laughs> that little seed has not only fed me, but how many of it's feeding you right now? And it's feeding people online, and it's feeding people all over the world. But it started as a, as a tiny little seed. And so that's how the kingdom operates. So it's, isn't it beautiful? But it, it started this tiny little seed that did not look like it would ever grow or germinate. And so I, I want to encourage you, just because you're sowing seed into an unbeliever's heart, don't think it won't take root. Just because you're out, you know, Jesus' generation, when you guys are out there ministering to people in the streets and some people receive and some people don't receive and you're out there and you're sowing the seed, sowing the seed, you never know when one of those seeds is going to grow up into a mighty tree, man. Because it's really none of our business. We just sow the seed. Even when I'm up here right now, I'm just sowing the seed. That's all I'm doing is just tossing seed, man. And so, and quickly we'll read... Matthew 13, verse 31, another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sown in the field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it's greater than the herbs and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. And then Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, talking about the parable of the sower, he said, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? How many know everything in the kingdom of God is seed, time, and harvest? You are here because of seed, time, and harvest. Somebody, you may have been raised in a family where they sowed the seed in you. You may not have been raised in a family, but the reason you came here is because somebody sowed a seed on the inside of you. And not only does God want that seed to grow in you, but He also wants that He wants you dropping seeds in other places as well. Amen? And so the kingdom itself is seed, time, and harvest. And then I'll say this too, and, and, and the harvest is a progression. You have to understand that. Mark 4, 26, it says, The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. How I many you know the, the vegetables on the back table there, they came to the place when it was time for them to harvest. The kingdom of God within you there's going, to be some thing, there's going to be some things that you bring forth harvesting quicker than other things. I'm talking about your own development. There's going to be some things that happen. Like I got set free from, 
hard drugs way before I got set free from pornography. I didn't get set free from pornography for years later. But then eventually I got set free from pornography. Praise God. And, and so, and then, you know, within this past year, I became patient. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's taken me, taken me 22 years for that one to come to pass. Hallelujah. And I'm starting to become temperate. Hallelujah. I know that's, you got to release your face for that, but like, I am. And, and, and so what's happening? Listen, it's none of your business how quick fruit comes on your tree. Chill out and just keep taking in the seed. And just because someone else is you know, maybe fruitful in an area that you want to be fruitful, it's your tree's not like anybody else's tree. You just keep sowing the seed, and the harvest will come at the right time. Can I get an amen? amen. You, got, you can't compare yourself to anybody else. Amen? It's a progressive thing. So, in summary, grace is God's unmerited, unearned blessing, but it's the product of Jesus as a seed. We don't sow for our salvation. But our actions are seed. What we put into us is seed. Our finances is seed. And the kingdom itself operates on seed. So we can see how grace operates and seed time and harvest operates at the same time. Can't get an amen. amen. All right, cool. Come on up here, Grant. I'm done. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, let's go really quick to Matthew chapter 6. Um, because he, he talked about out of Second Corinthians 9, seed time and harvest. And uh, th- that's one of those chapters I'm always amazed when people say that's not about money. Because it's clearly about money in the context. So that's great. But I want to look at this. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. I want to show you the grace when it comes to uh, God supplying your need. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, it says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Now look at verse 26. There's something really powerful here. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns. So notice he's talking about these people who need, who he's saying, don't worry about God providing for you. And notice he doesn't teach them about seed time and harvest right now. What's he say? He says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap. To have your needs met, all you need to know is that God is your Father and He wants to provide for you. Now, how many knows a bird can't just sit in a nest and God will just show up and drop a worm in their mouth? They have to go get the worm, right? They have to go get the food. So that's where we understand, listen, uh, God's going to provide for you. Whether you're stingy, whether you're bountiful in your giving, God's going to provide for you. Why? Because you're his child. If Graham doesn't share a toy with Finn, I don't say, well, you don't get dinner. I don't do that, right? But, but how many knows at the same time um, a bird getting a worm? Because I can remember one time I was sitting on a porch outside, and I can remember I just watched a bird, a bird fly down on the ground. They grabbed a worm, and they flew off. And God's, God taught me a powerful lesson about how easy it is to receive from him. But anyways, but how many knows 
a bird can come down and get that worm. How many knows after he ate that, it wasn't long before he was hungry again. And then what did he have to do? He had to go get another worm, right? So there is this system of, okay, God is my Father, and God will always take care of my needs. God is going to provide for you just because you're His child. But how many knows God's will for you is not to have just enough? And that is where seed time and harvest comes in. Really quick, he's already read it, but I want to read it really quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to point something out. Verse, let's jump down to verse uh, 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower. Now listen here. There is no difference, and, and I understand the point he's making, but there really is no difference in seed time and harvest and grace. Why do I say that? Because grace is in the seed. Who gives the seed? He, God. God gives you the seed. Even if you worked for it, even if you earned it, He's the one that gave you the health. He's the one that gave you the ability. So like Jeremiah said, He ends up getting all the glory. Right? So, so the grace is in the seed. But look here. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Look here. Supply and multiply the seed. So just because God's your Father, He'll take care of your needs. All you got to do is just receive from Him. Believe it, He'll take care of you. But His will is not for you to just have enough. His will is, ha is for you to have enough for you and your family and you to be... God's will is not to just give you seed, but for you to actually be someone else's harvest. That should actually... That's where giving gets fun. When you realize, oh, I'm just sowing seed so I get a harvest. Sowing seed so I get a harvest. I mean, it's then your attention's still on you. And you're still doing it to an extent with a selfish motive. Right? That's where it talks about stingily, like he just shared. But when you do it as, this is really cool, I'm part of the church's harvest. This is really cool, I'm part of Grant's harvest. This is really cool, I'm part of Keisha's harvest. You know, and I'm, I'm not referring to what you give right now. I'm just saying when you bless someone with any sort of gift in church, out of church, it's cool because you're part of someone's harvest. Now, in the back of your mind, you're aware, God's going to take care of me, and this is a seed. That's cool. But the fun comes when you realize you're part of someone's harvest. So this morning, as you give, you can be part of this church's harvest as we take the gospel. I think that's just awesome. See, seed time and harvest is a cycle that never ends. It's a cycle that never ends. But look here, supply and multiply the seed you have sown. Now, something I want to say really interesting about this, it doesn't show it up here on the screen, but sown is not in the original language. So it actually says he will multiply the seed you have and increase the fruit of your righteousness. Why is that important? God is always giving you seed. Everyone in here today, God is always giving you seed. And what learning about seed time and harvest will teach you is if you will begin to pay attention, you'll realize, wow, that, that could be seed. That could be seed. That could be seed. That could be seed. Everything is a seed. And I'm always amazed when, when people come against the teaching of seed time and harvest because literally everything can become seed. Physical things, a hug, a smile, everything can become a seed. And uh, we have a story, and I'm going to finish after this, but we have a story in our family, and I've shared it here, but it's been years. Uh, when, one time we bought a house, and we bought a house. With it came a, uh, the, the, the owner who we bought it off of. He had a zero-turn lawnmower. And he said, you know, you guys can just have it. 
you know, so he just, it was just with us. So we were there, and at this time, this is before Keisha was a nurse. She wasn't going to school. I was just in ministry, but she had a passion. She wanted to be a nurse. All right, so one day, God just laid in my heart, like, sell that lawnmower. Sell that lawnmower. And so I looked at our property. I was like, I could push my way. So I need about $300 for a push mower. Keisha couldn't go to school because she had a debt owed to a previous college from she had to drop out uh, when Jordy got real sick when she was younger. So we ended up selling that lawnmower. I think, so like she owed $2,200. I needed $300 for, for a push mower was my logic. So I was like, all right, we'll sell it for $2,500. Sure enough, we sold it for $2,500. How many know, so Keisha went on to school to become a nurse. Keisha went on to school to become a nurse practitioner. So, and how many knows I got in better shape because I was push mowing this huge hill. You'd have to see my property, but it was this huge hill. But anyways, that was a seed. It was a $2,500 seed. And don't look at the amount, but I'm just saying, how many knows that uh, Keisha... Now she's a nurse practitioner. How many knows the harvest has been great on that one seed? Lawn, a lawnmower was a seed. But I could have looked at that and said, no, that's my harvest because that's going to make my life easier. Right? No, that's, that was a seed. Right? So God's always giving you seed. He's always increasing your seed. So just be more aware of that. So if you need to give an envelope, you can raise your hand. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give. We bless each and every seed sown in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. And then just a couple announcements real quick. Um, we do have our Jekyll Island Conference coming up in June. Uh, if you guys would encourage you to pray about going to that. Um, when you book your rooms, you don't have to pay immediately. You don't have to even put a down payment in. And so um, if that's something that you want to do that I encourage you, it's going to be amazing. We're going to have the best time. Um, and then we will be, we'll have our midweek again this coming Thursday. I'll be preaching this Thursday night at 6. And then uh, next Sunday we're going to have one of our family meals, which I'm super excited about. And so uh, we're going to have fried chicken. Can I get an amen for fried chicken? Hallelujah. So just bring uh, side dishes that go with fried chicken. And then uh, we're hopefully going to have a volleyball game afterwards. If I can get anyone in here to get jiggy enough to play a little volleyball, Steph said she's on board. She's going to play some volleyball. We got a nice little volleyball. I'm going to line that thing out on Thursday night uh, after the, uh, make sure that they don't mow, mow my lines. We, we talked about it, so I'm, I'm going to line it out on Thursday, and we'll eat. And then we're going to have Jesus Journey doing some worship on Sunday, which is going to be awesome. And they're going to be sharing some of their testimonies and talking about all the awesome stuff that happened while they were on the road. And we're excited about hearing about that. And so, yeah, so next Sunday, bring side dishes that go along with fried chicken and look forward to just having a great day. Pray for good weather. Amen. We don't want insane heat. Hallelujah. No, let the heat be far from us. Praise the Lord. Let it just be a beautiful day. And so that's it, man. So anyway, Father, we just thank you. I speak blessings on your people as they go their way in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, see, see myself or those around you and have a great week.